Hi, my name is Kate T. Benson. I believe for the first time in history, enlightenment is available to all of us. I also believe that we can experience a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad on our way to enlightenment. The way we get to enlightenment, as well as experiencing a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way, is by developing flexibility in our identity. So what is identity? Your identity, simply put, it's your sense of who you are. Your identity is made up of everything that you identify with. So we can identify with things out there in the world, like people, and we can also identify with things in here in our own mind. And one of the biggest things that we identify with out there in the world are our social roles. So social roles are things like being a parent or a partner or an employee or a coach or a volunteer, like basically anything that we do to interact with other people on a regular basis is a social role. And over time, your social roles because become something that you identify with or they become social identities. We say, I am or we are a parent or a mother or we are a coach. Like anything that you can start with, I am or we are, that's an identity. Like it's something that you identify with. So social roles are one of the biggest things that we identify with externally. And one of the biggest things that we identify with internally are our stories. And stories are just that, meaning the stories that we tell ourselves and others about who we are. If you've ever written a personal statement or just met someone and gotten to know them and told them about who you are, that's your story. So real quick, I want to share that I did a master's in psychology at AM and my thesis was focused on identity. And out of the hundreds of thousands of pages that I've read on the nature of identity, my favorite summary for identity is that it's all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, Who are you? And so, just for example, grown up Alice might say to the Cheshire Cat, Oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. Just meaning that all of those things are all a part of Alice's identity. And each one of those, like being a mother, a researcher, a part-time firefighter, a stamp collector, they're all social roles or social identities. And if Alice were to add, and so we're originally from the English countryside, but now we live in London and I'm a partnered mother researcher, firefighting stamp collector. Like that's basically a rough draft for Alice's personal story for their identity. Now, the rest of Alice's identity is made up of all the other things that we identify with internally, like our beliefs and our thoughts and our feelings. And we all have lots of beliefs, right? Everything from politics to religion to your morals. But we also have beliefs about people, like our family and friends and who we think they are and what we think they're capable of or what we think they should or shouldn't do. But of all of our beliefs, like the most powerful ones are the ones that we have about ourselves. Because our beliefs about ourselves determine our beliefs about everything else.
So for example, if we believe that we're good enough or worthy of good things, then we draw good things. And when good things appear, we're able to enjoy them. But if we believe that we're not good enough or not worthy, then even when good things fall in our lap, we won't recognize them as being good things. Or we wind up one way or another, making them go away. (laughs) And what that means is that our beliefs about ourselves determine our relationship with everyone and everything else. And so that means if we want to change our relationship with anything, we have to change our beliefs about that thing. And we have to change our beliefs about ourselves. It's a lot harder to change our beliefs about ourselves than to change our beliefs about a thing. So how do we do that? How do we change our beliefs about ourselves? Another way to think about this question is how do we develop flexibility in our identity? If we really want to tackle a belief, especially a core belief, something like I'm not worthy, it's not enough to just go with the belief. You have to address the belief at the level of the identity system. And the best way to do that is by working with our stories. So we work with our stories because ultimately our stories include all of our beliefs and thoughts and feelings and our social roles. Everything that we identify with, everything streams together into the story. And so if we want to change something that we identify with, like a belief about ourselves, we do that by developing flexibility in our identity. And the way that we do that is by developing flexibility in our story. Okay, so before I continue, I feel the need to say that most folks really underestimate themselves and their own potential. And when I say underestimate, I mean underestimate like a whole lot. But if you're here right now, you're probably looking for something more. You have the sense that there is more waiting for you out there in the world, but also within you. If you're like most folks, What you're really looking for deep down is to be as big as you really are. And the way to be as big as you really are, no matter who you are or where you're from, it's always the same. It begins by developing flexibility in your identity. So identity flexibility, when you boil it all down, it's about freedom. With identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be, because you are. So to help with developing flexibility in y'all's identity, I created a full-length exercise that I published a few weeks ago. There's a link in the notes below. And that exercise is designed to bring you all the way to enlightenment, which means it's designed to maximize your freedom. So when you're ready, y'all definitely want to check that out. But so you can try it out. I just made a super quick summary version of the full exercise. So grab a pen and paper or your phone or just something to jot a couple of uh, words down with. And so go ahead press pause now and go grab something to take some notes with. 
Okay, so I want you to pick the most important person in your life. The nature of the relationship doesn't matter. Just if I say, who's the most important person in your life? Who comes to mind? Use them. We're going to pick a memory for that person. And I'll use Alice as an example. So Alice identified one of their important relationships or one of their most important social roles as being a mom. Alice is a 12-year-old who identifies female. And Alice is a favorite memory of their daughter from many years ago, playing in the mud together after the rain and making mud pies. And it was just Alice's daughter and Alice on one particular day having the time of their lives outside after the rain. And there was a rainbow and they all had muck boots on and they decided to make mud pies. And there was this one moment where Alice's daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother and Alice will never forget the smile on their daughter's face. And that's the memory. Like if Alice really wanted to remember a core memory of Alice's daughter, that's the memory that Alice would bring to mind. All right, so it's y'all's turn. So we're gonna find a memory for your most important relationship that y'all picked. And it can be a current or a distant memory, and it can be a big deal memory, like a special event, but it can also just be whatever comes to mind, what y'all see most often with them. And then once you have that memory, pick two or three words that describe that memory, like to help bring that memory to mind. So for example, Alice would pick rainy day to remember their day with their daughter. Okay, so let's pause now to find a memory for that most important relationship that y'all picked. And when you find the memory, pick two or three words that you can use for describing and recalling that memory and then write them down. Okay, press pause now and go do that. Okay, so now that y'all found a memory and picked two or three words for recalling that memory, next we're gonna practice visualizing the memory. And we'll use the two to three word prompt to bring up that memory. So for example, Alice's prompt was rainy day to bring to mind playing in the mud with their daughter. So Alice would say rainy day to bring up that memory. And then Alice would visualize that memory, thinking about making mud pies with their daughter. And Alice would really focus on that one moment where their daughter looked over their shoulder at her mother and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt. So right now, look at the words that you left to recall a memory for y'all's most important relationship and use those words to bring that memory up, meaning in your mind, go back to that day. So where were y'all? And what were y'all wearing? And uh, how were y'all sitting or how were y'all standing? And the clothes that you were wearing, how did y'all's clothes feel? And how did y'all feel? And what were the sights and the sounds and the smells of the room? Okay. So just go ahead and hit pause now and take a minute or two to just sit in that memory and just sort of marinate in it. And I'll be here when y'all are ready. Okay. So now that y'all have practiced using your prompt to recall and really visualize your memory, next we're gonna practice letting go of the memory. And not just letting go of the memory, 
but letting go of the part of us that is that relationship. So for example, Alice would bring up the wonderful memory that they have of making mud pies with their daughter and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt in their heart. And Alice would embrace that memory for just a moment, would let it wash over. And then Alice would let it go as if Alice had just awoken from a lovely dream. And Alice would then say, I am or we are no longer a mother. And then Alice would feel that loss. And Alice would grieve the loss of their daughter. Because even if it was just a dream, it felt so real. To grieve here means to really feel the loss, to feel the aching in your chest and the emptiness in the pit of the stomach. It can be helpful to bring to mind someone knocking on the door or a phone call, letting y'all know that these folks, this, this person, that they're not coming back, that you're not gonna see them again. And to just sit with that and to wrestle with that and the feelings that that brings up. Okay, so first we'll do this together and then we'll do it again. You'll, you'll, like y'all will do it again on your own. So look now at the two to three word uh, prompt that you wrote for recalling your most important relationship and bring up that memory and bring up that memory in its richest form, meaning with all of its sights and sounds and smells and feelings. And just bring all that up and just marinate in that moment. Okay, so take a moment now with me to just sit with that memory. I'll pause for about 15 seconds while y'all take, take that moment. And now say, I am, or we are, no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, a partner, or whatever that significant relationship was. And I want to comment here that while the focus seems like it's on the loss of them, and yes, of course it is, like they're gone now, but our focus is on how y'all are no longer a mother, a spouse, a sister, a best friend, or whatever the significant relationship was. So it's not Alice saying, my daughter is not coming home again. But it's Alice saying, my daughter is not coming home again. And then sitting with and grappling with, I am no longer a mother. We are no longer a spouse. I am no longer a sister. We are no longer a best friend or whatever that significant relationship was. So now we'll do this again on our own. So go ahead and hit pause now and take a minute or two to wrestle with the idea that you're no longer a mother, a spouse, a sister, a best friend, or whatever that significant social role was. 
and just allow yourself to have the experience of no longer being that role and allowing yourself to grieve the loss of that social role, your most important social identity. Okay, I'll be here when y'all are ready. Okay, and that is a super quick version of the extended exercise for developing identity flexibility. This exercise is not easy, but if you can do it, it will help to create flexibility in y'all's identity. And with identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be, because you are. And yeah, I know the exercise is not easy, but just trust me that when you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you're no longer some social identity that's really important to you, like being a spouse or being a parent, that is flexibility in your identity. So this week we walked through an exercise for creating flexibility in your identity. It's a very powerful exercise and you may find yourself overwhelmed by it. If that's the case, just give yourself some time and space and come back to it, but come back to it. Because again, I know this exercise is not easy, but just trust me that when you can be comfortable playing around with the idea that you no longer are some social identity that's really important to you, like being a spouse or being a parent, that is flexibility in your identity. And with identity flexibility, we're able to choose our beliefs about ourselves, which sets us free to choose who we want to be, which sets us free to be as big as we really are. And for most folks, that's about being way bigger than we even think we can be, because you are. Okay. That was what I wanted to share today. If you enjoyed this, please hit like so that it makes it because it makes it easier for other folks to find it. And please leave a comment. And if you give the exercise a whirl, I would be so very grateful for any feedback. Like you can leave a comment below or you can email me at kate at katetbenson.com. And if y'all are curious about me, you can learn more and sign up for my newsletter at kate-t-benson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kate T. Benson and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.